Masechat Nedarim Daf Samech Gimel, we complete the eighth pedic of Nedarim today. We were talking about the Mishnah that someone says, I'm not going to have any wine, Ad HaGeshamim. Well, there's Machloket, uh, what that means. HaGeshamim, since it's plural, so Tanakama says, until uh, until the second rainfall. Since Geshemim is plural, it rains twice. Then he can start having wine. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, however, Rabban Rashbag in the Mishnah said, no, it means until the time of the Rebi'ah, when the second rain usually falls. So it's a, cal- it's a set calendar date that we're going to see in a second. Now, uh, about this Mishnah, Rabbi Zera made a limitation. Amar Bizera, Machloket Amar Ad HaGeshamim, Aval Amar Ad HaGeshem, Ad Zeman Geshamim Kamar. The Machloket between Tanakama and Rashbag and the Mishnah is only if he said the word in plural, Ad HaGeshem, I'm not going to have wine until the rains. But if he said until the rain, well, then that surely means the time of the rain. Because no one says until the rain, no, no one thinks that means the first time it rains. You're talking about the noun as a generality, until the rain season. And so when the, it's when the rain usually falls, that, um, that will, he will be prohibited from wine until then. Now we're going to challenge it to be Zerah. This question is going to be um, a long question, even though the answer is going to be quite simple. So we're going to quote actually three, but I thought to build up the question. Metibe, the first one. When you say the rain, uh, refers to the first, uh, the early rains. Uh, so when are these early rains? They come in three stages. The first opinion of Rabbi Meir says that the first rain of the Rabi'ah comes on the third of Cheshvan. Second one on the seventh, and the the last of that set comes on the twenty third. So they're all pretty close together, all in Cheshvan. Third, seventh. Notice there's only four days between when you expect the first and second rain. Um, however, the Biuda Omer b'Shiva b'Shiva Asad b'Esrimushlosha. The Biuda says no. The first rain starts a little bit later on the seventh. So, in other words, what was second, the second stage before here, according to the Biuda, is the first stage, and the second one is the seventeenth. So, there's ten days between the first and the second, the seventh and the seventeenth, and the third one is on the twenty-third. However, the Biyose Omer, he's going to push them all a little bit later. B'Shiva Asar Kislev. The first one is on the seventeenth. So, what was, the, what was the second for the Biyuda becomes the first rain on uh, according to the Biyose. The second one is the twenty-third. So, notice there's according to him, uh, the Biyose there is a week, one week between the first and second rains. That's going to be significant in a minute. And the third one is going to be the beginning of Kislev. Now all this is going to have is going to have multiple impacts. One of them is when the when do the fasts start? If it doesn't rain for a while, first the elders uh, will have fast days, and then if it still doesn't rain, then the whole community will start fasting. So the Biyose, we confirms what he just said because he says the 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 um, individuals, the elders. Uh, do not start fasting until Rosh Chodesh Kislev. What we see from here is that he's consistent with his opinion that the first three rains we expect to be, the first three Bi'ah, the first three stages, we expect to be um, end on Kislev. So therefore, 
uh, if it didn't rain yet by Kislev before and during Cheshvan, it's still not an emergency. But once Kislev starts, that's when we expect the last of the rains to be of the Deviyah. So then you would start fast. Then the elders would start fasting. Okay. Now, based on this Mishnah, uh, this Baraita, when we analyzed it, we said, we understand why you have to tell us the first stage of the rain, because that's when we start asking for rain in Eretz Yisrael, in the middle of the Amidah. And the third one, we have to know, Litanot, that's when we start fasting, right? As we just said, that according to the Biyoseh, you'll start fasting if it doesn't rain at Kislev. According to the other opinions, whenever the third one is supposed to come, and it still doesn't come, that triggers the beginning of the fasts for the elders. For what law would we need to know the exact date of the second stage of rain? Oh, we're talking about for a someone who makes a vow, meaning someone who says, Geshamim, right? I'm not going to have any wine until the Geshamim. So we said that according to Tanakama, uh, he cannot have wine until the second rain. So that's why we need to know when the second rain is, in case someone makes a vow with that formula. And now, yet another statement we said about that baraita. There's actually one baraita and a couple of clarifications that we said saying about that baraita. Um, the, the, and the clarification actually is from another B'raita. Okay, so according to whom is the following B'raita that Rashbag says that the Geshamim uh, that, uh, that fall seven days one after the other, you count those as the first uh, rainfall and the second rainfall. Who would that be according to? It could be according to the Biyoseh. In other words, we're taking this B'raita here and we're correlating it with the first B'raita that we quoted above. And so according to whom is there, are there seven days between the first and second? Well, we saw it wouldn't be according to the first opinion of the because it's only four days. If you that as ten days, the Biyoseh is the one that has one week between the two. All right, so now, so we see that this, uh, this B'raita here of Rashbag is, uh, follows Rabbi Yoseh. All right, now we set up all the stages of our question. Uh, the question is that, according to Rashbag, someone who says, I'm not going to have wine until Hageshem, in the question stage here, we're assuming he just said Ad Hageshem. The answer will be no, maybe he said Geshemim. Okay, if he said Ad Hageshem, then according to Rashbag, Forget the fact that this is Rashbag. You, know, you have to explain that this Baraita is explaining, even though it's Rashbag, is explaining the opinion of Chachamim in the Mishnah. Okay, there's a couple of assumptions that we have to make for this question to work. Um, someone who says, Ad HaGeshem, and uh, it would, would, um, cannot have uh, wine until it rains twice. Right? That's why it says here, Yadu Shiva Yamim Zeachar Zeh, and has to be within... Uh, within seven days or seven days apart, then that's considered two rains. And it's not, there's not a date here, even though this is correlating it with the Biose, who gave a, a certain date, but it doesn't say those exact dates, it just says till it rains twice a week apart. 
Therefore, someone who says, Ad HaGeshem, it means, till it rains twice. It has to actually rain twice, and it doesn't matter when the actual date is. This is a problem for the Bizera, because the Bizera said here that it applies to Noded, and he said up here that uh, when does this, uh, when is there a Machloket? Only if he said Geshemim, but if he says Ad HaGeshem, then we, fo- we follow the actual Zeman uh, HaGeshemim, the actual date of when it's supposed to rain, not when it actually rains. So to summarize, the question is, we're assuming that in these in the Braita that we just quoted, the 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 one who made the vow said Adageshem, according to the Braita, in the words of Rashbag, but explaining the banan, he has to wait till it actually rains two times a week apart. But according to the Bizarra here, if you say Adageshem, you have to wait till the dates of when you expect it to rain, doesn't in the, in not, not necessarily when it actually rains. That's the question. And the answer is, well, this Baraita doesn't, doesn't say the words Adageshem. It says, Adageshamim. No, this Baraita, the Bizarra can explain, is when he said Geshamim, which is the case of the Mishnah. When he said Adageshamim, and that's where, according to Tanakama, it's when it rains twice, independent of the actual dates. All right, so that was a simple answer. All right, next Mishnah. Kunam yain sheni toem lashana nita berashana asurba ube ibura. We already saw a preview of this of this Mishnah on the previous stuff. Someone who says wine will be prohibited to me, like a korban, to taste for a year. If it's a leap year with thirteen months. Then it's prohibited during the entire year, including also the second Adar. So this would apply if, if he says, you know, from now till the rest of the year, and that includes a second Adar. Or if he says, I am prohibited from mine for one year, which would mean from the calendar date to the calendar date. Uh, if today would be Rosh Chodesh Tevet, then he'd be prohibited from now until the next Rosh Chodesh Tevet, whether that meant 12 months or 13 months, should it be a leap, uh, a leap year. If a person says, Ad Rosh Chodesh Adar, Ad Rosh Chodesh Adar Ishan, so I'm not going to have wine from now until Rosh Chodesh Adar. If there are two Adars, he means um, until the beginning of the first Adar. Um, ad Sof Adar, Ad Sof Adar Ishan. If he says, I'm not going to have wine until the end of Adar, again here means the end of the first Adar, should there be two. So you see, according to the Mishnah, the main Adad, if you just say Adad without any qualification, is the first. Alma setamad Adad dekamad ishonhu. So right, Stam, just a saying without specification, is the first Adad. Now, this happens to be a machloket, so we're going to see our Mishnah follows only one of the following two opinions. According to Meir, if you're writing a contract, or a ketubah, or whatever, and, you, um, and if it's Adar Rishon, you should write, oh, in, uh, on the second day of Adar Rishon, if that's what you mean. Um, if you're, if it's actually Adar Sheni, though, then you can write just Adar. So according to the Bimeir, um, uh, Stam Adar is Adar Sheni. Well, that does not follow our Mishnah. Whereas according to the Biuda, for the first Adar, you just write nothing. Well, nothing. Adar plain means Adar Ishan. 
and Adar Shen, if it's Adar Sheni, you have to write the second Adar. So you see that this Mishnah must follow Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda only. Now, if whenever, whenever possible, we'd always rather that an anonymous Mishnah be according to everyone. So let's see if we can fit this Mishnah even according to the B Meir. By the way, this whole uh, discussion has uh, some a lot of significance. For example, if someone dies on a, a regular Adar, on a non-leap year, uh, when do they observe the Yortzite? Uh, they're going to say Kaddish uh, in, a, in a leap year, on a Darishan or a Darshini, which is the regular Adar. Um, or someone who has birthdays, bar mitzvah, right? If they're born in a regular adad, and then their 13th year is a leap year as the first adad or second adad. Okay, so this has a lot of effect. There's a lot of discussion about that. I can even explain our Mishnah according to the Bimeir. And this, Braita, that you just quoted, where the Bimeir says that the... Um, first, uh, that the second Adar is, is the plain Adar, that's when he knew from beforehand that there's going to be two Adars. He had a fixed cal- set calendar, he looked at the calendar, and he says, oh, this year there's going to be two Adars, and then he writes in the contract that, you know, you, um, uh, this, uh, uh, I will pay you back in uh, an Adar, since he knows there's going to be two Adars, so if he writes Adar uh, Stam, he means the second one. So that's going to be Meir. However, the Mishnah is talking about a case where he didn't know. Uh, it wasn't announced, or he didn't look at the calendar, and he thought he didn't know that there's going to be two Adars. He thought there's going to be one Adar. Since he thought there's only going to be one Adar, that's why he meant the first Adar. And that's what the Mishnah is talking about, that Adar Stam is the first Adar, if he doesn't know that there's going to be a second Adar, which makes sense. And we prove that this is so. Vehatanya, not as a question, but Vehatanya benichuta, as a baraita that proves this point. Ad Rosh Chodesh Adar, Ad Rosh Chodesh Adar Ishon. Imaitashana Meoberet, Ad Rosh Chodesh Adar Hasheni. This baraita has two parts. If a person makes a vow, I'm not going to have wine until Rosh Chodesh Adar. That means the first Adar. And if it was a leap year, then it means until the beginning of second Adar. Now this doesn't make sense. What do you mean if it was a leap year? Does that mean the first clause of the Braita is when it was not a leap year? If it was not a leap year, then you wouldn't have to say anything until Rosh Chodesh Adar. There is only one Adar. So it can't mean that it can't mean that the first clause is not a leap year. Rather, both of them are leap year. And yet, in one case, you follow Darishon. one case, you follow Darshani. How can you reconcile these two halves of the Braita? Shema'amina ha le abrashata ha Rather, it must be that the second clause, when it says, if it was a leap year, means if I knew it was a leap year, I know there's going to be two Adars, and I say I'm not going to have wine until Rosh Chodesh Adar, since I know there's going to be two, I mean the second one. All right, so when I know there's two, then Stamada means the second one. But the Resha is talking about when I didn't know that there's going to be two, and I said, until Rosh Chodesh Adar, in that case, I meant, well, the month after Nisan. That means the first one. And so we see from this Braita that this distinction is necessary, and so we can use it to resolve the Meir according to the Mishnah. 
All right, um, that's the end. And now the uh, we're gonna have a next Mishnah, and this Mishnah is gonna take us all the way till the end of the Pedic. There is no Gemara, no commentary on the continue the rest of the Mishnah all the way until the end of the Pedic, which is actually very interesting. So here, the Biuda Omer Kunam Yain Sheni Toaim Al Sheeha Pesach. So we're continuing our discussion. We saw some cases before. If I say until a certain event, do I mean the beginning of the event or the end of the event? We saw before that it may depend on the formula that you use, right? Until the until this, until before this, until it will be, um, it will be to the end of it. Um, so, but in, the, in these that following examples, it's going to depend on the context, content, and context. So, if someone says, "I'm not going to have wine, um, I will not taste wine until Pesach," then he must mean until before Pesach. Uh, on Lel Pesach, when you have the seder and you have the four kosot, um, that's when people usually drink wine. So his point was, "I'm not going to have any wine until now, until the four kosot." When it's a mitzvah to have wine, so you can assume that what that's what the person meant until the beginning of Pesach, because the person would not want to prohibit himself from uh, having the four cups of wine. However, Amar Kunam Someone says, "I'm not going to have any meat until the fast day, until Yom Kippur." Well then, in that case also, he's prohibited from meat, not, he's not waiting till the end of Yom Kippur, but also the lel, the evening of the fast, because people generally eat meat before the fast, so they get nice and full, and so the person obviously wanted to um, uh, uh, not, wanted to prohibit himself from meat until the beginning um, of, uh, or even before, um, uh, but even before the fast starts when they when they're doing sodat mafseket. Rabbi Yosef ben Omer, Konam Shum Shani Toim Achet Hashabbat Eno Asur Ela Ad Lele Shabbat Shunt Kaven Ze Ela Ad Shash Derech Ben Adam Lechol Be Shum. Someone says, I'm not going to taste any garlic until it will be Shabbat. So even though he says until it will be Shabbat, which generally we saw before means the end of Shabbat, but here again from the context we he, we know that he means until Friday evening, now because um, uh, there was a general custom to have garlic on Friday evening, um, and because it's mitzvah night nowadays if you eat garlic that will work as a contraception, um, but the ba- back then garlic was considered to be good luck. To, and a person will be more fruitful. And so therefore the person had in mind, I'm not going to have garlic during the week, but obviously he meant that on Friday night he will have garlic. So therefore the vow only goes until the beginning of Shabbat. Someone says to his friend, I'm not going, I vow, I'm not going to receive benefit from you unless you come and take this gift for your son of one quart of of wheat and two barrels of wine as a gift. In other words, I'm, I'm going to take a vow. I'm insisting that I want to give you a gift for your son. And if you don't accept it, then I'm never going to take anything from you. I'm cutting off relations. We're not going to be friends anymore. 
so in this case, if in the end you refuse the gift, I can undo my vow and still take from you, even without going to a sage to undo the gift, to undo the vow officially. How so? You, right, the recipient of this gift, can say to me, why did you take this vow? For my honor? So, right, you wanted me to receive the gift. That's why you took the, took the vow. Well, actually, this is my honor. I would be honored to not accept your gift, right? I'd be more honored that you keep uh, your uh, barrel of, uh, um, your quart of wheat and your two barrels of wine, and it's the thought that counts, it's the gesture. I already feel honored just by you offering it. So since he already feels honored, and that was the whole point of my gift in the first place, so in a way, the vow was fulfilled, right? I succeeded in honoring you, not by giving you the gift, but by offering you the gift and you refusing. And therefore, it's the, the we don't have to worry about the vow. The, uh, the if clause of the vow was fulfilled, it's the same as if you received it. And therefore, the, the prohibition does not apply and I can receive a, um, a, a benefit from you going forward. Or the same thing other way other way around. Um, benefiting from me is prohibited to you. I say, I'm not going to give you any benefit unless you come and give my son a present, right? I, I'm asking you, I need my son needs some help, right? Give him a gift. Uh, otherwise, I won't, um, otherwise, I'm not, not going to give you anything. Uh, you, you'll be prohibited from me. So Rabbi Meir Omer, Asur Ten, Rabbi Meir says, then yes, you actually have to give my son something uh, if we don't if we don't want the vow prohibition to apply. In this case, also, if for whatever reason you end up not giving my son this uh, this stuff, still we don't have to go to a chacham because I can say. I'll consider it as if I have received the gift, right? A person can always waive his right to um, to a monetary obligation, and so even if you didn't, even though you didn't actually give it, I'll say, you know, here's my receipt, right? It's like it's like you gave it. You don't have to give it anymore, and therefore the if clause was uh, fulfilled successfully, and the prohibition of the vow does not apply. Uh, in Talmudic uh, times, it was uh, praiseworthy for a person to marry his niece, uh, to keep it in the family, right? Take care of uh, take care of your brother or your sister's daughter, rather than to marry her off to some other family. Who knows if they're going to uh, treat her nicely? Uh, but this particular uncle, he doesn't. He wants to encourage someone else to marry the niece. And this other guy is like, oh, I don't want to marry you. You're the uncle. You have the first right. And so the uncle says, my niece is prohibited to uh, benefit from me forever. In other words, there's no way I'm not, therefore I'm obviously not going to marry her, and so you take, you marry her. Or, someone who's divorcing his wife says, benefit to my wife is prohibited forever. 
um, he wants to show, right? I'm really divorcing her. You're out. We're separated. We're never getting back together. So he makes a vow. She can have no benefit from me forever. Even though they made these vows in both cases, this this guy can give that woman some benefit, right? Even though, even if they're divorced, for example, um, but he still may want to uh, uh, give her uh, give her something um, uh, for, for uh, a gift or whatever, or even if it's his niece, right? And let's say his niece goes and marries someone else. Still, maybe he wants to give a birthday present to his niece. He's still allowed to because when a person, when in both of these cases, when he says no benefit from me, he didn't mean all benefit. He meant for the purpose of marriage, ishut, that they won't have uh, relations together, that they won't marry. But other forms of benefit, just to give some food, that they didn't have in mind, so that's permitted. Uh, A host is urging someone, so come over, come inside, right? Come and eat something, come have kiddush with me. And the other person is refusing, the guest is refusing, and the guest says, um, entering your house is prohibited to me. Or even uh, a, a taste of cold water is prohibited to me. Even though he said that, we don't take his words literally. Because when a person is refusing invitation, right, they always uh, mean, in a, mean it in an exaggerated way. So even though he says, I'm not going to enter your house, he can enter the house. And he, even though he said, I'm not going to have even drink a little bit, he can still drink a little. Because what he meant is, I'm not going to sit down for a full meal of eating and drinking. All right? So, uh, which is typical, normal language. And for Nedarim, we follow typical language. And this is typical language, right? If host says, right, come in for Kiddush, come have a, come have a drink. And the person says, all right, I'll just uh, come in for a second, but I can't, I can't eat anything. I can't drink anything. When they mean, of course, if they come in, you can assume that they are going to drink a little. They're going to have something, right? Um, uh, and so he's just saying that to, a person's always going to say one step less than they're actually going to do. If he says, okay, fine, I'll come in just for a drink, then they mean a drink plus some hors d'oeuvres, right? If he says, I'm going to have just some hors d'oeuvres, then that means he's staying for lunch too. If he says, okay, I'll come for lunch, but then I have to leave, then that means he's going to stay the rest of the day. All right, so we follow the general custom. It's nice to end on these, uh, on inviting guests over and uh, insisting that they come in for a drink and then assuming that they're going to stay. Hazran Allah, kunam yayin.